0: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. Today it's going to be a solo podcast with yours truly, Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. want to get to, still had a whole bunch of questions we haven't got to yet, so I wanted to try to do my best to address all of those. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or give us a call at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. All right, so get a little background on what's been going on around USC Trojan football. Of course, there's kind of the the, the coaching carousel going on. Maybe as crazy as we have seen, uh, a lot of names getting fired, people being rumored, uh, you know, for different jobs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we already talked about Chip Kelly getting hired across town at UCLA. You no, know, uh, as of as I'm recording this on Tuesday around lunchtime Pacific, uh, no. Hire has been made uh, in Tempe at Arizona State, so we'll see kind of what happens with that. We don't know what's going to happen at Oregon State. Uh, USC plays Oregon State again next year, so they'll have a new coach. Um, So with Gary Anderson being fired and uh, pretty much the rest of that staff, I think Corey Hall is still there trying to hold things together. He was the interim coach that did pretty well the first couple games at Oregon State, but they weren't able to win, and then they just kind of fell off, and of course getting shellacked, in the Civil War uh, up there in Eugene. Um, yeah, so they're going to do something new up there at Oregon State. We're not sure what Arizona State's going to do. Of course, we know what's going to happen at UCLA. Will any other changes be made? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. doesn't seem like it in the Pac-12, but uh, who knows? There's there's people that could be leaving for other jobs. Um, One thing that's in play you should be aware of, USC doesn't play Oregon next year, but Oregon has come on strong. They look like one of the better teams in the conference when Justin Herbert was the quarterback. And there's rumors that Jimbo Fisher could go to Texas A&M, where Kevin Sublin was fired. There's rumors that Kevin Sublin could come to Arizona State. Uh, That was kind of happening right away, but they've kind of backed off on that. Still could happen, so I think that would be a, a really big uh, influx of great coaches to the Pac-12 South. If Chip Kelly and Kevin Sumlin end up coming, uh, we'll see what happens there. But the the big the big note here is one year up in Eugene, Willie Taggart, South Florida guy, could end up going back to South Florida, going back to Florida at some point. If Jimbo Fisher leaves and goes a and a lot of people think Willie Taggart would leave uh, Oregon, and they would have to do a whole another coaching search up there. So you could have. Uh, both Oregon schools looking for a head coach again, so we'll see. So there's the coaching carousel is certainly not done. Uh, I know a lot of people have asked me questions about USC. Uh, so T. Martin's name was rumored. Uh, he addressed um, USC's offensive coordinator T. Martin, who won a national championship at a court as a quarterback at Tennessee. So his name has been kind of talked about there. But he this is only two years of offensive uh, being a coordinator experience. Um, rumors are that we had heard that he had not been contacted by Tennessee. He could still go back there in some capacity, but it doesn't look like they've interviewed him uh, or talked to him at all about the head coaching vacancy. Um, Certainly, you know, I think T Martin's going to be a great head coach someday, but you know, obviously just two years of uh, offensive coordinator experience, you could see. So some of the jobs would kind of um, balk at that, but, Uh, I think he's got what it takes to be a good head coach. So we'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, I guess Tennessee's rumored to have, or want to interview Mike Gundy. Now I saw someone tweet that Mike Gundy actually interviewed a Florida as well. So Dan Mullen, who they hired away from Mississippi State, might've been their fourth choice uh, after Chip Kelly uh, and Scott Frost. So there's a lot of weird stuff kind of going on with the coaching carousel And USC. You know, there's something to be said for stability and there's some stability there a lot of talk about will USC make some changes and uh, we'll kind of get into all that. So what I wanted to do for the show today, we had Harvey Hyde on already. We had Dan Weber on already and we did a premium um, recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez. So a lot of podcasts already this week, but okay. So I'm, I'm sort of my brain, I got like an obsessive compulsive component to myself. I'm an engineer by trade, um, like to be organized, like everything to be kind of in its place. And uh, our, our, Intern Connor Shute does a great job getting all these questions in. You send them in to podcast at com. He organizes them and puts them all together. Well, I get this Google, you know, this is like how the sausage made Google Doc about where all these questions are. And it just kind of like there's like a little needle in my brain when I know I have a lot of questions sitting there. Um, and we do have a lot of questions sitting there. So I wanted to try to, you know, run through some of them. I don't want you to guys, you know, send in a question and not get it answered. Um, there's only you know, so I want to try to get to some of these, and we thought we'd do a solo podcast, a solo podcast. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do a preview podcast. USC's already played um, Stanford, uh, but we'll, you know we'll talk about that too. We've all the other podcasts we've kind of talked about this game, and I'll, I'll do the same here. Um, so yeah, but we want to answer uh, some of these questions for you. Uh, a lot of people have sent in different topics, uh, you know, wide ranging, and we're gonna we, there, any ones we don't get to. Like I said before, we will save. For after the Pac 12 Championship game. So, kind of during bowl practice time, uh, you know, we'll, I'm sure you guys will send in more questions about who USC is playing in the bowl game and all that kind of stuff, but we will um, address some of these other ones. There's a bit more evergreen type of questions, like just general USC football questions, and we'll do our best to kind of get to all of those. But, you know, we thanks again for sending those in. Uh, before we jump into all that, I wanted to talk to you about my brand new bed. It's a Lisa bed, and it's really cool. Um, so if you heard me talk about it before, it comes right to your door uh, in a box. It looks like a box that you would get, I don't know, like a trash can or something. And it's a bed, which is crazy. Uh, it's a, so what Lisa is, it's an innovative, direct-to-consumer online mattress brand that's also very socially conscious. So it's cool on that aspect. Uh, it's, they're driven by a mission to provide a better place to sleep for everybody, and they donate one mattress to a shelter for every 10 that they sell through their uh, one in 10 program. So right now over 22,000 mattresses have been donated so far. They also plant a tree for every mattress they're sold. So obviously very uh, eco-conscious company and 1% of each employee's time uh, is used to, they donate to volunteer for local causes. Um, So they actually have, you know, not here in Southern California, but in Soho, New York city and Virginia beach, they actually have, uh, dream galleries there, and I think they're going to expand to do more of them. But most everything is available. Uh, most of what they do is done online. And it's an American made. It's an American made mattress, uh, and it's compressed, and it'll ship right to your door, like I talked about. Um, so you can try the mattress in your home for 100 nights, risk free, and it's free shipping as always. And so right now you can uh, you can buy it over 80 West Elm stores nationwide if you want to do that. Um, but like I said, online is, is the, is the way to go. So they're available in the U S Canada, uh, UK and Germany. And they're going to expand, uh, continue to expand their operations. There's a Lisa pillow, uh, blanket foundation and a frame. All of that is available online with free shipping. So what you want to do is you're going to get 100. If you want to try it out, like I said, uh, you get hundred days free to try it out. Free shipping, $100 off the Lisa mattress using, uh, The code below. So you want to go to leesa.com slash USC. So leesa.com slash USC, and you're going to get $100 off. And like I said, you can try it for 100 nights risk free, and it's always going to be free shipping. So uh, I love sleeping in it. If you uh, need a new mattress, definitely go check it out lisa.com slash USC. Okay. Let's jump into some of these questions. Uh, I'm just going to read through them and do my best to, to answer those. Uh, lots changing, like we said, in the college football landscape. But the focus right now for USC is taking on Stanford in the Pac-12 championship game. That's Friday night in Santa Clara, Levi Stadium, 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff. Our whole USCfootball.com team will be up there uh, giving you all kinds of information, inside stuff of what's going on with the USC team. Lots of interviews, pictures, videos, all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll have it covered better than anybody. Guarantee you that. No one will have more people up there. No one will have better coverage up there than our team at uscfootball.com. All right. First up, we got Robin in Virginia. Hey, Ryan, could you please address why USC is still number 11 in the AP poll for the last four weeks and why Clemson only dropped five spots after losing to unranked and non-bull eligible Pittsburgh by double digits, while USC lost to number 16 Washington State and fell nine spots? Robin in Virginia. Hey, Robin. Um... We get this a lot on Twitter, people talking about uh, what's going on with the polls, and I don't put a whole lot of stock into the polls, especially the, you know, I I think the AP poll I like uh, a little bit better. The coaches poll, not at all. Don't worry about that at all. That's basically an SID poll. Do you think all the coaches have time to watch all the games? No, it's just, it's it's basically just status quo putting together. Who do you think is supposed to be good? They're good. Are they lost? Drop them a little bit. Um May, mainly with USc is you want to compare losses compare wins uh all that kind of stuff um I think well, what were you talking about so it was Miami yeah so oh so Clemson so Clemson didn't drop a lot when they lost I think the main thing is Clemson has better wins uh than you, Auburn looks like a world beater right now and Clemson beat them um USC has three wins over teams with a winning record um so i think that's part of the problem and and really the best teams usc played uh they lost to now stanford is the best win and you got to but unfortunately you got to play them again Uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of credit for beating them again but you will be dinged a bunch if you lose so it's kind of a not a great situation i would say but a lot of it too is just how you look um so if you tune in and you see man ohio state got smoked by iowa like wow that sucks but all these other teams, you know, if they, when they beat Penn State or they, they beat Michigan State or they play the crappy teams and they roll them, you know, and just destroy them. That's kind of what if you feel like a team is really good, uh, you know, kind of the, the pollsters minds, you look at that, you're like, OK, they, they, they beat a team that they should beat. Oh, wow. They, lost, they came out flat and lost a game. But that was one game or, you know, maybe two games or whatever. And USC looked awful. And and they're lost in Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's been on a you know downward trajectory pretty pretty much since then. So that doesn't help. But I think the you the chances when USC won games, the chances to look really good and kind of spread their wings, they didn't do that. So not blowing out teams that you probably should have blown out contributes to that. So it's not just about you know A, B, C, this is what it is. Like they you people watch games and they look at USC and they're 10 and 2. But they haven't been all that impressive. The best game USC played all year was Stanford. So I think that's what has to, you know, a lot of the polls. But don't, I wouldn't put too much stock in the polls. The only one that really matters if you were to talk about, you know, winning the national championship is the college football playoff. That's going to come out later today, like pretty much soon after I release this podcast. Um, USC probably moves up to 10, right? Is that, I think USC was 11 and 10, but that doesn't really matter. USC's not making the playoff this year. Well, don't worry about the poll. If USC wins the Pac-12 championship game and then they win like the Fiesta Bowl or something, they'll be like a number five or six team. Like that's about where they should be. Then you know, don't worry about what they are right now, uh, Robin. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry too much. Uh, we had another one from Robin. Hope your family and staff had a lovely Thanksgiving. Uh, I'd like to know if Hilton's decision to take the week off was a good idea, considering we now know. They'll be playing Stanford, who has a new quarterback. Uh, Santa Clara is not far from Palo Alto, so it's essentially like a home game for Stanford. They're coming off a huge win against Notre Dame, and USC lost to Notre Dame by 35 points. Uh, Not something who USC was preparing for uh, was taking the week off a wise decision, and could they have done something? I get that having a few days off after they've grinded out 12 straight weeks is necessary, especially since you it's a holiday weekend, but they could have done something Tuesday, Wednesday, or Saturday. You said previously under Sark, they had like six practices in a whole month and lost to Wisconsin in the holiday bowl. That's actually clay Helton. Um, where that happened, uh, not Sark. So when Sark was gone, that was clay Helton. Um, I hope the decision doesn't prove to be fatal Friday. He said, I'd like to amend my previous statement that Sark was the head coach when USC lost to Wisconsin. It was indeed clay Helton. Oh yeah. Okay. So, uh, she corrected that. Um, Thanks again, uh, Robin. Okay, so the whole, like, um, Holiday Bowl thing, I understand some of the rationale because he basically had to fire half his staff and you're replacing, like, here's a strength coach coming to the coach's defensive lines. Here's a grad assistant. Now, you know, there was a lot of guys, you know, support staff people taking over um, position coaches, and there was a lot of that. So how much preparation could you have really done Did he need to prepare the coaches to actually practice and prepare the players? I think some of that is true, but I think they certainly should have practiced more than they did. I think he leans on the lighter side of practicing, and a lot of people don't agree with that. And obviously when you come out and play crappy against Wisconsin, then you can second-guess all you want because you're like, hey, you should have practiced more. You would have played better. It's not necessarily that would have happened for sure, but that's certainly what a lot of people said, and I, you know, I agree with it. I thought they should have practiced more and we got to cut the running around. We were asking about how many practices and it wasn't, we counted them and it wasn't as many as, as they were saying. So they knew that that was going to look bad. So they were kind of fluffing up the numbers a little bit. Um, as far as this week, I'm not going to fault Clay Helton. The guys we talked to yesterday at practice. So uh, they practiced uh, full practice on uh, Monday. Um, so a day earlier, because they pra- they're playing on Friday The guys were really happy to take the week off. Like Ronald Jones went home. Um, Now, not saying you should do whatever the players like, but I think the uniqueness of a situation where you didn't practice for 12 – I mean, we didn't get a break, not for just 12 straight weeks, but fall camp and all that, never having more than like two days off in a row, I get it. They needed some time off. So I'm kind of cool with it. Now, I would have liked to see Monday – a full pads practice, which they didn't do. It was just a regular, you know, shoulder pads, shells practice sort of thing. Um, you know, I've talked to some of the players before, and if you're you're a college football player and you go into the locker room, and, you know, it's different on which day. So if it's a day where there's no shoulder pads at all, you just put a jersey and helmet on, you know, that's a certain mentality you have. You put shoulder pads on that kind of, you know, perks you up a little bit. It's a little more a little more physical than what you would, you know, would be a day with, with no pads. But if you gotta put full pads on, that it, that's changed your mentality altogether. And I'm not saying they needed to, you know, tackle the whole practice, but just going into the locker room and knowing, oh, we haven't had full pads on since the middle of October outside of games. Like we gotta put full pads on today. Like this is serious. Like I I think you can kind of change the mentality a little bit. Um that's just my opinion. So I would have liked to see that and maybe do some goal line stuff. You don't have to hit the whole practice, like I said, but I, it would have been nice to see that. I think it would have been a nice change. Um, it wasn't, you know. Clay Helton's got his system, and they're doing it by that, uh, you know, doing it that way. Um, so we'll see. But that's thanks, Robin, for those questions. Don, what do you think the future holds for Clay Helton? Being completely objective, Helton has mediocre coaching abilities. Man, that's rough, Don. They've won ten games twice, two two years in a row. Unfortunately for USC, Stanford has improved since earlier part of the year and will embarrass USC in the title game. I know that their quarterback is not that good, but Helton will be exposed by Shaw in a big game. Uh, UCLA with Chip, I believe he put added pressure on Swan if Helton fails to win this game. May not seem fair with 10 wins, but life is not always fair. Then again, Helton did not get this job because he was a good coach merely because he was at the right place at the right time. Don, wow, that's pretty rough. Okay, Um, I think this game Friday is immensely important because there's a, a lot of the fan base like yourself, Don, Who's not real happy with the way USC's been playing? I actually talked to some of the players about that yesterday. Um, You know, the team is 10 2. And a lot of the fans don't like the way they got there and felt they could have won the Washington State game and looked better against Notre Dame. And um, I agree with all those. Like, I certainly agree with that. They haven't looked that good. So to me, if you win the game on Friday and you win the Pac 12, it should, the naysayers should be like, you know what? Yeah, they haven't looked great. They've kind of eked by wins. Maybe they shouldn't have eked by. But Stanford to me was the biggest game of the year. They are they won that already. Now, you know, winning the conference, that's the that's what Lin Swan wants to see. So a lot's based on to me, Don, a lot is based on this game. And Lin Swan probably be a lot happier if they win this game than not. And the pressure on Clay Helton is going to be ratcheted up anyway. Even if he wins this game, that's after winning the Rose Bowl. And let's say he wins the Pac 12 uh, championship. The pressure's going to be up just because Chip Kelly's across town, just because ASU's probably going to bring in somebody good and will be a great recruiter and, and try to take guys away from Southern California. Um, I think the pressure in the Pac 12 South is going to be ratcheted up. USC won it going away this year. The second place team fired their coach. Um, the, the second place, the team that was favored to finish second, fired their coach. Uh, it's going to be a lot, you know. You can't win, you know. Squeak by some games that you probably shouldn't do. Um, I think a lot of this is going to be really important for Clay Helton. So, Don, I wouldn't be as pessimistic as you are, but uh, we will see. Okay, we got Maybet in Ontario. Uh, hey, Ryan. Uh, in the light of the Chip Kelly hiring, who foots the bill when public schools hire highly paid coaches? Um, how much does the school, mean the taxpayers, because it's public school, pay? What is the maximum percentage of boosters can kick in? Thanks for your dedication to of football. Maybe in Ontario. I Actually, actually I don't know. Um, I think a lot of this was done with, like, Casey Wasserman type of money. Um, he's an IMG guy, uh, big UCLA booster. I don't think the, the state's, you know, flipping the bill for a lot of this. Um, you know, there, there's a, the, you know, um budgets for the athletic department and all that and you know i feel that uh, a lot of this is coming from boosters but i don't know all that that's not really my expertise so sorry about that i don't know more about that um tyler and samamis chip kelly to ucla is awesome news for usc all in caps uh only increases pressure on usc to win to recruit to hire the very best coaches possible ups pac-12 credential status profile uh, Pac-12 just busted the SEC for the, the highest-profile coach available, plus La uh, puts L.A. College in the spotlight. All good. Competition, baby. Love it. Tyler and Sammamish. Um Hey, I agree with you, Tyler. I think I, the kind of term I've used is USC sort of was sleepwalking through a 10-2 season, which, you know, maybe is not fair, uh, but didn't really have to do anything crazy, um, you know, and and still won the the Pac twelve South going away, uh, played really good a couple of a couple of weeks. And Clay Hilton was asked about this yesterday. Did you play your best against Stanford? He kind of was like, "Well, one of our best, but I I don't think it's a question." USC played their by far best game of the season against Stanford. Maybe second would be Arizona State. Um, a lot of kind of clunkers where you know they were down big to teams and then and came back and won, or you know, beating a, a really mediocre Texas team in overtime and. Follow me to Utah. You know, even like you know, what? So a lot of games like that. Um, The point being, I think they played their best against Stanford. You're gonna have to play better in more, a higher percentage of your games. I think. Yes, you got the win. You did enough to win, and there's something to be said for that. But I think Chip Kelly will certainly put more pressure on USC, the coaches, administration. Make sure if you feel like a, a position group is not performing up to snuff and you have to get rid of that coach, you go out and get a really good one and you pay them a lot of money and you, you get someone that's somewhere else that's a good program, that's doing a great job, um, not a friend uh, or you know a family member or something. You just go out and get a guy that's the best at what he does, like Dylan McCullough. Um, even from a bigger, like I, I think Dylan McCullough is doing a great job and he's in Indiana and you're like, hey, go get the, you know, but if there's someone at, Oklahoma or Florida state or tech or whatever, like a big time, you know, a, a blue blood program and you want to go get them, go get that guy too. Not just a bottom rung power five, uh, program, go get someone from a, a major, you know, a upper tier power five program. And so, yes, Tyler, I think that's great for competition. I think it's important. Um, and I think it can help USC if USC responds the right way. Let's see. Harry, uh, Harry says, I'm not melting down about the Chip Kelly hire for a few reasons summarized below. Interested in your opinion. One, Chip's quote-unquote new offense is no longer new. Half the team's run, some sort of variation, many better than his. Been there, done that. Okay, uh, yeah, a lot of people run it now. He was an innovator. Can he still be an innovator? I mean, that's part of the question. I don't know if a lot of people run it better than the way he ran it. Um, You can't compare it to what he's doing in the NFL. That's a different game. I think he's going to come back and have a very successful offense in college. That's my opinion. We'll see. Chip's an aggressive, uh, offensive coordinator as a coach. Doesn't solve UCLA's defensive issues or makes them a competitive, a complete team. Oregon's defense sucked too. Yeah, we saw Oregon's defense get better when they brought in Jim Levitt. So I think hiring a defensive coordinator is going to be very important. Um, and Jim Orr was a defensive guy. And they were on pace until USC played them, actually, to be fair, to have the worst run defense in college football over the last 15 years. They were going to average given up 300 yards a game. Now, they, they played better the last two games, only give up 153 to USC, and then I think like 220 to Cal. So they their average dropped below uh, 300. But if USC would have run the ball like I thought they should have against UCLA, they would have kept that average up there, and it would have been the worst run defense in the last 15 years in college football. So, yeah, they had a defensive-minded head coach, and their defense was terrible. So it was hard for them to replace some of the guys that they sent to the NFL, too. Three says, granted, Chip's name and offense will attract recruits, but no flashy uniforms, no soft academic requirements at UCLA. Recruiting won't be as easy as everyone thinks. Um, I think they will get flashy <laughs> uniforms because of the Under Armour stuff. They put some weird stuff out there. Um, I don't know how much that really matters, though. But I think they will get that. And uh, you know, recruiting is going to be easier in UCLA, at UCLA than Oregon because it's you're in at UCLA. You're in Southern California. There's five stars. You can hit a you know, pitching wedge and, and hit a five star out of you know out of Westwood. So um I think recruiting gets easier. He's not known as being like some crazy great recruiter, so you gotta get guys on staff. So his hires I think are gonna be really important. Expectations are already through the roof. The sequel is never as good as the original. I think that's fair. Um it's hard to it's hard to repeat greatness. Jaws two wasn't as good as Jaws. Uh in the end, it's only one game a year, Harry. Good stuff, Harry. Yeah. And I, I would just think that, you know, you're going to battle on the recruiting front. Um, one game a year is fine, but that's a game that kind of hangs over you for the the whole year. So USC fans hate to lose to UCLA. Like beating them, not as much. UCLA likes to beat USC more than USC likes to beat UCLA. USC loves to beat Notre Dame. That's what you love. You don't really hate, you know, it's not great to lose to them, but it's not like a death sentence. Like losing to UCLA is just the worst. So 'Cause you hear about it all the time. So I kind of think that's the way it goes uh with USC and UCLA. It certainly steps up everybody's game. Should people be panicking? No, they shouldn't be panicking, but USC needs to step up their game. Because I think playing like you did this year, um, after Chip like if you play like this with two years from now, after a couple of years with Chip Kelly, I don't think you're gonna be ten and two and win the South going away. So it was a really down Pac 12 South this year. Tarek says Could you see using a 4-3 against uh, several players on... uh, I'm sorry, going to a 4-3, since several players on defense would play better in that scheme? Tark, No, I think Clancy's got a scheme, and uh, he goes with it. And We've seen what he does. Whatever he's done against Stanford in the past, I think you're going to see that. So they'll bring in some extra defensive linemen sometimes for like their jumbo package, but um, I don't think Clancy's changing his scheme for anyone. He does what he does, and that's what he does. And if you're going to give up... You're going to lead the nation in sacks, but maybe you give up a whole bunch of big plays in the passing game. Um, I don't think he's changing that at all. Uh, Let's see. SC Listen Seattle. He said, hey, Ryan, on the Facebook podcast, so he's talking about our Facebook live show, which, okay, by the way, because it's a shorter week, we are going to do our Facebook live show Wednesday at noon. So if you want to go watch us live, we'll have the whole crew. uh, Wednesday at noon Pacific go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash uscfootball.com, spelled out, D-O-T-C-O-M. Go to that. Um, We'll also put it up on uh, uscfootball.com, but we'll do our live show Wednesday this week instead of Thursday. He said, uh, you spoke about a few of the USC coaches and possible changes. One, the O-line coach. Coaches have have to work with what they have on the roster. Callaway is building his guys up and recruiting his type of players, he needs to stay and continue the the progress. It could take a few recruiting cycles for this to happen. In general, every coach hires guys they're familiar with. USC is no different. There's a reason you want guys you know or are familiar with. Trust the. Uh, okay, so we'll talk about the offensive line coach. I think if you want to talk about keeping Neil Callaway, who's you know doesn't really like to talk to people, um, which doesn't mean you're not a good coach. Um, I think you, continuity is one of the main reasons because USC had so many offensive line coaches over the last five years. Now, having the same guy from last year to this year, uh, does that help? You, you know, I, you know, have they performed up to expectations? You know, we'll see. But that's what uh, SC, List in Seattle is saying. And then he said, the DB coach hire has never been a popular one at USC. Some in SC are more concerned with big names. They think having a big name will lead to success. Not always the case. You mentioned Clay Helton hiring guys like T and the defensive line coach who don't have a lot of experience. Wisconsin did the same thing, and it's worked out great. It's worked out great for USC, too. I'm confused by some of the things you said. On one hand, you say it's important that USC has little coaching turnover, and the next you say um, some of the coaches need to go, which is it, Ryan. Okay, so I don't know if I've said you need no coaching turnover. I do feel that there are some position coaches that have underperformed and changes need to be made, and I think that's a tough decision that Clay Helton has to make. It's ultimately his call because he's the head coach and gets paid all that money. But I do agree that um, it's not just on the – just because other, you know, rookie head coaches have worked out doesn't mean that's what you should do. I think when you look at a, a Cal, you had a rookie head coach and you had two head coaches as as coordinators. I like that model a little bit better with more experience there. Um, he's uh, Yeah, so – yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be calling for, like, hey, fire this guy, fire that guy. But I think there's certain areas where USC's been deficient and certainly could play better. And you could bring in somebody with a, a much more proven track record. Who And I think you're going to need a lot of recruiting uh, coaches, too, because there's too many coaches on the staff that aren't really known as relentless great recruiters. And, you know, you want to look at the Pete Carroll days or other days, even Sark and Lane. People were recruiters. Like it was a rarity if you had a guy on the staff that you know that guy's not a a great recruiter. Most everybody was, and you can't say that about this staff. Um, so, I think you need to do that, especially if you're going to lose T. Martin, which it seems all you know seems very likely that T. Martin's not going to be around next year, um, getting a job somewhere else. He's your best recruiter, so you need to not only replace him but really upgrade the other guys too. So. It's going to be a major step back on the recruiting front. And you got to bring in more support staff guys. It's just they're really thin. You know, Gavin Morris and Alex Rios and Eric Ziska. I mean, there's just not a lot of dudes there. I think they do a really good job for, like, the, the the resources they have. But you need more. you got to bring in more. So all those things, I think, need to change. Uh, and he said, finally, Chip Kelly's a big name because you're a with big names. You're liking the higher UCLA doesn't surprise me. LOL. Yes, I like big names. <laughs> When's the last time USC hired a big name guy? I'll wait for your answer off the air. No, I mean you're going to say Pete Carroll. He, Pete Carroll wasn't really a big name guy. He was the biggest name that USC hired. USC's always tried to get people that no one else would want. Why would? Why should USC get people that no one else wants? Don't you think USC should have people that people want? You know, when's the last time USC had a coach leave? Pete Carroll. Um, all the other ones have been fired. So I think it's better to go out and get a big name. I think, you know, those could fail too. But if you're going to fail with guys that aren't big names, I'd rather fail with a big name. So I'm sorry, sorry you feel that I, I'm slanted toward big-name coaches, which I am at this point. And I think if USC went out and hired three big-name coaches in a row, they didn't work out, and you want to say, hey, go find this diamond in the rough, fine. Uh, but all this is kind of mute at this point because – or moot at this point, sorry, mute. Moot at this point because – USC's not getting a new head coach right now. That's what I'm mostly talking about. But if you want to talk about assistants too, yeah, I'd like to see USC go out and get some big names. Um, he said, as always, I'm a huge fan of yours. Although I can't say I would agree on much. Uh, but you being a USC supporter and fan, you have to respect that. In the end, you have to respect that at the end of the day. SC less than Seattle. Um, so I'm a, a journalist more than anything here, and that's what my job is to do: is to report on the team. And I'm going to tell you what I think. And what I think is USC needs more established uh, persons in positions of power around the football program. I'll I'll leave it at that. We got Don. Other than questionable coaching, I believe two things missing from this football team were fire and excitement, which were both lost with Adori and Juju leaving. I believe SC needs Michael Pittman uh, to bring that fire with his physical play on offense and Porter... Gustin to bring that fire on the defensive side. Uh, Porter Guston was actually out for this game, FYI. He was not at practice yesterday. O- on offense, Tyler can bring the excitement, and he has shown uh, with the great catches on the defensive side, it will need to be Clancy's play calling. SC hasn't played as though they enjoyed competing on every down. Unfortunately, this year Porter was lost for most of the year, um, and coaches were sleeping on Tyler just like last year with Sam. Bubba can bring some fire, but they, n- but they never let him play. Levi could bring fire and excitement if he could ever get regular playing time. Don, uh, I think there's some good points there. That th- who's the vocal leader on offense? Like they really don't have one, and guys like Juju and guys like Adori, uh, not just their play on the field, but their leadership off of it, are severely missed. Um, and you need someone to kind of step up that way. I think Sam Darn is a great leader, but he leads in a much different way. He's a um, pull a guy aside, talk to him one-on-one. He's not a stand on the table and yell at everybody and gather everybody around. So I think they, they're missing some of that. They're missing, uh, especially on the offensive side, vocal leaders. Uh, we got Marcel. He sent a text message. 2011, USC beats Chip Kelly in Oregon, in Oregon with less players. Uh, what does USC need to do to counter UCLA's new coach? Do we get a new offensive defensive coordinator or keep the status quo? Marcel and San Gabriel Valley. So 2011, so people are talking about Chip Kelly, uh, when he beat USC, it was sanctioned years, and and it actually was not. So Chip Kelly um, was coaching there 2009, uh, 10, 11, and 12. He beat USC three out of the four years. 2011, Lane Kiffin's year when he went 10-2 and two was the year that uh, USC won up in Eugene, big upset, uh, great win. One of the best wins of Lane Kiffin's uh, tenure at USC, if not the best. Um, USC sanctions didn't really start then. They lost a couple guys to, to the quote-unquote free agency, and they weren't able to go to a bowl game that year. But sanctions didn't kick in as far as scholarship limitations until 2012. So really only kept Chip Kelly's last year did he play a sanctioned USC um, team. But as far as like what is USC new to... To counter uh, like I think we talked about already it 's just stepping up the level of the competition it 's not like anything you 're going to do specifically, like I got to go do this against Chip Kelly and blah 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 um, we 've seen Clancy Pendergast have success against Chip Kelly when he was a Cal in defensive coordinator, I think his schemes work better against uh spread teams, so i don't think you need to change there um, really, just you know you got to play better each and every week. I think you got to coach better, you got to recruit better, you just got to do everything a little bit better. It was good enough this year to win the Pac-12, have the best record in the Pac-12. But it's just, it wasn't all that impressive on a week-to-week basis. But the overall picture it was like it was still really impressive. If you win, if you beat Stanford, man, that's great. I don't think it can be a status quo thing. Um, I think there'll be some some position coaches that need to be upgraded. Uh, but you gotta, you know, everyone's got to put their big point pants on and and make sure you, you you keep getting better. It's not just about hey, we do what we do and that's fine. It's about getting better. And they, they went to the Rose Bowl last year without winning the Pac-12. This year, they're going to try to win the Pac-12 and go to like the Fiesta Bowl. Next year, you want to try to, to make the playoff. So I think that's what you got to do. Terry in Bakersfield. I want to take my question away from the performance on the field and the coaching criticisms. It seems like I share a lot of the frustrations with other fans and oftentimes wonder what channels or voices can be best heard uh, on the following topics. So number one, he said, schedule. Weeknight games are unacceptable. No other top pr- programs concede to the scheduling that has been imposed on the Pac-12 over the past few years. Now, I agree there. I think um, it's all about the TV, but USC needs to push back and say, hey, you know, 2018, there's all this construction going on in the Coliseum. You know what we're not going to do? Play a Friday night game in the Coliseum. Like, not doing it. And we're not going on the road either. So you figure that out. But we're not doing it. So I think USC should use its leverage and push it around a little bit. What did what happened when the Big Ten said they were going to try to do some Friday night games for television? Michigan's like, no. Ohio State's like, no. Um, I think USC needs to be like, no. Number two, independence. I know you've spoken about this in past podcasts, but what would it honestly take for USC to make a move in, the, in this direction for a football program? Uh, some people hate the idea. I still love the idea of at least threatening to go independent. Uh, and maybe it's a go... USC and UCLA break off and, and and join like Notre Dame and like their their games are all broadcast on NBC every week or something. I don't know. I mean, think about it. Like you don't have to do you have to be an equal share in the Pac-12 with Oregon State who won one game this year. I mean, do you need that? Like no. Like you should be get like Texas gets more cuz they're the biggest brand in the Big 12. USC should get more, you know? If UCLA wants it, they should get more. I think you know, Washington, there's teams in the Pac 12 that should be not on an equal footing with the other teams. And why does Rutgers make $20 million a year more off television than USC? Why is that? I don't think that should be the case. So if the Pac 12 was just swimming in money and everyone was getting like these huge shares, and you want to say, okay, everyone's getting equal, that's fine. But they're, they're not making enough. So USC shouldn't be sharing the exact same amount if they're not getting enough. Uh, with these other programs. So I'm a big proponent of that. I think looking at that, at least looking at, what will it take? um, I don't think current administration will even think about that. Now, I don't know enough about Lynn Swan, but there's too many people in that building that would never, ever consider that. So I think it would take, like, you hire, like, an athletic director who brings in his own people and looks at it like, this isn't right. Um, I don't think anyone's in that building looking at that going, yeah, that's a realistic possibility. And three, number five, the Jersey needs to be put back up under the peristyle and Reggie Bush needs to lead the team out of the tunnel. It's time to give the NCAA the proverbial finger regarding the, this egregious injustice. Sorry for the long email, but I'd love to see a push by our fans to make some positive changes. I'm not sure what available channels would make this effective and appropriate. I agree hundred percent on the Reggie Bush stuff. His family took some money from a wannabe agent. Why does that make him a uh, persona non grata around the USC campus? Like, you you got punished why does he have to never be around like that makes no sense whatsoever so yeah fight to get that back Tyler uh, Terry sorry Terry Bakersfield fight to get that back and what can USC fans do well i was in a household over the weekend that was part of a movement not it was all twitter my wife is a tennessee fan now you can argue that it was stupid that they did this whatever what i'm not going to get into what um Greg Schiano did or didn't do at Penn State and all that kind of stuff, but they got behind something and Vault Twitter basically blocked the hiring of a head football coach who had signed an agreement. So there was so much outrage on social media that they blocked it from happening. Is that good or bad? Mob mentality? I mean, you want to argue, I'm not getting into all those kind of debates, okay? since so my wife was freaking part of this thing. Um, but USC fans can band together on social media and on the, go on the Peristyle, go on the uscfootball.com message boards, email your friends. Hey, man, we don't think this is right. What is it about? Like, what if they did that for the Coliseum remodel? That, hey, man, if this is great for the one percenters, this uh, this ivory tower that the, the huge boosters are going to sit in, but for all of us that are going to get displaced and we're losing seats and parking spots and tailgating areas and this all sucks for us. We don't want it we want you to go back to the drawing board and do something now we talked about it a lot and dad weber the waving the flag for it and all of that um and i think there was some fan outrage and people might have you know wrote a letter or something but there wasn't really the full-on protesting on campus twitter barrages just you could get usc's attention and usc doesn't have like some huge social media department there's a couple of people you get their attention and they got to talk about it, you know? So I know those guys, I like all those people. I don't think they've been, you know, seen outrage on Twitter. So if you want Reggie Bush back, start some kind of grassroots movement Um, and, you know, and do something about it. Like you, that's the things you can kind of do. You want USC to go independent, tell them, tell them you don't want, you don't want USC making $20 million less than uh, Rutgers or Iowa State or something. Um, you don't want Oregon State making the same amount of money on television as USC when USC's ratings are like ten times or whatever you with know, you know this major media market. Ta- tell USC about it and uh, you know make them do something about it. Um, I'm not saying you should go start some uh, <laughs> some uh, mob, uh, but getting a bunch of people together with a common uh, goal and, and a common theme. And if that's the way the majority of USC fans feel, like the majority of USC fans, do they feel like Reggie Bush should be back on campus? Let them know. And maybe they can do something about it. I know they can do something about it. They just haven't. Um, Make them, you know? And it's like, if it's kind of uncomfortable, that's how you get things done. So I would say you can do things like that. All right, next up, we got uh, Steve Benoff in Beaumont. Feeling better after a nine and three season than a ten and two season, yeah, Steve. I think that's fair. Um, nine and two. I think last year two um, USC would have been nine and three because you know starting off one and three, you can't get any better than that. But making the Pac twelve championship last year probably wasn't going to be even the best thing. I think it worked out perfectly. Go to the Rose Bowl, kind of back into it. Win a thriller against Penn State. This year was more about hey, win the conference and. USC was pretty beat up last year. I don't know if they would have been able to to repeat and uh, and beat Washington again, uh, like they're going to be asked to do this year, beat Stanford twice. Um, but, yeah, no, I think, yeah, feel better. And I think feel really good uh, if you end up 11-2. Drew Biz, 71. Late in the year, last year and early this year, SC seems to go much more up-tempo, which seemed to give the offense a boost, especially in the red zone. It seems over the past four or five games, everything has been slowed and seemed to allow defenses on short yards to get set to shoot gaps for, for the runs especially and also appears to provide time for the defensive coordinators to understand what we're going to try to do on offense and change the defense accordingly. would be interesting to know what folks of a much higher football IQ than mine think. It uh, just seems that any time uh, they get to the line, then reset and look at the sidelines for a new play, the momentum gets lost. Yeah, I like, I mean, I think this team plays better in rhythm. Um, I like it when they do a little bit of tempo. Um, I think there's some obvious tempo ones where, like, they run to the line to, like, do a QB sneak, and that just never works. For whatever reason, like, the obvious ones just don't work. But I like when they're, like, you kind of get the defense on the heels. Um, And, you know, I don't think they've done as much of that. But with Sam Darrell being the kind of gunslinger he is, um, I do feel like, it works pretty well when he's just getting in the flow and doing and kind of just doing his thing. Now you can get in trouble sometimes, and you, you might turn the ball over, but I do like that, and I would like to see that more. I don't think it's a you know try-to-run-120-plays-a-game sort of thing that Sark came out and wanted to do and pretty much did once and then never did again, um, but I think you got to pick your spots, and uh, I think USC could probably pick a few more spots than they have been. Steven, Seattle. Guys, I have a light bulb. Stanford? has this god-awful deal where they opened the season in Australia before heading home to play USC, and we dominated them. After I graduated from USC in 1993, that's when I did too, Steve, um, I too went to Oz for three months, not a weekend, and I swear it took me 30 days to recover from the jet lag, and I was 21 or 20 or 21. So what if we meet a Stanford team not suffering from jet lag, albeit a short week after Notre Dame, But virtually a home game and SC on a poorly scheduled no practice bye week in a way. I sure hope the Cougs beat UW. What do you think? Love the show. Fight on, Steve in Seattle. So obviously he sent this in before uh, that last weekend. Um, The Cougs Cougs didn't win, uh, Steve, I think, as you know. And I think that's a a really important part. So if you look at Stanford's schedule, um, they did go play that game against Rice. They didn't look good against USC. USC looked as best as they did all year, and they didn't look good against San Diego State. Um, and they kind of got things going. Now, I think a lot of some of their problems early too were self inflicted, where they were starting Keller Chris instead of KJ Costello. Um, they they didn't put in. I think it was against Oregon State where they won fifteen to fourteen, and they didn't put. I think that was the game. They didn't put uh, KJ Costello in like the entire time. And it looked like, you know, the offense was struggling. It was like this David Shaw stubborn-ass moment where he was just, like, asked about it and they still weren't going to put him in. It was like, I'm going to prove to you my initial decision was right. And it wasn't, you know, it was like, first, wasn't the right guy. Costello was. Um, so I think now they're, they're starting to play a little bit better. Uh, you know, they did lose still a couple games down the, you know, they, they lost the game down the stretch. Uh, what was it? So they played... Um, I'm sorry, I'll pull up their schedule right now. So so they had, early on, after the bye week, uh, they lost USC, lost San Diego State. They beat UCLA pretty good. They beat Arizona State pretty good. They squeaked by at Utah. They crushed Oregon. Now, this was Oregon without Herbert um, on week seven, but they crushed them 49-7. They played a Thursday night game against Oregon State where they won 15-14, um, they lost to Washington State the next week, but I think that's when they started to get Chris And they played Washington on a Friday night at home, uh, great win there. They squeaked by Cal seventeen fourteen, and then a, you know a good win over Notre Dame. So it's not like they're playing like at the super high level, but they're playing a lot better. And I think that jet lag might have had something to do with it. just another scheduling Pac twelve thing. Scheduling you know their their top teams in ways that they shouldn't be scheduled. Like, could you imagine Alabama like? Nick Saban, like, hey, we're going to send you to Australia. He's like, hell no. He doesn't even go on the road to play out-of-conference games. He'll only play them on neutral fields. So, yes, I think some of the powers in the Pac-12 need to push back a little bit. And I think I think everyone did. There's so much uh, emphasis on the road game followed by a Friday road game that didn't happen this year where Larry Scott was like, and he made some stupid statement like, yeah, they, they came out and said, athletic directors came out and said, hey, we don't want that anymore. Like, you as a conference shouldn't want that. Why would you put your teams in these horrible situations? It really seemed like a computer just generated the schedule and they just spit it out and that was it. Um, so I think it's dumb on the conferences. Like, don't do that kind of stuff. That's a contender. You sent to Australia. Like, you sent Rice to Australia. You don't send Stanford to Australia. All right, anyway. Steve in Seattle. Got, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, that was Steve in Seattle. My bad. So uh, thank you, Steve, for that one. Glad you love the show. Uh, Trojan Q um, in Huntington Beach. He said, The good. Very insightful observations from the entire podcast staff. You guys fill m- my Trojan cravings. Thanks for that. Bad. Stop downplaying the bad coaching with doublespeak like, Fans should be happy with the Pac-12. Shouldn't should shouldn't be. I'm sorry. Fans should be happy winning the Pac-12 or 10-2 season is great. Um SC winning the Pac-12 is like our one-eyed one-eyed man anointing. I'm sorry, this is where he went way right. He said, S.E. winning the Pac-12 is like the one-eyed man anointed king among the land of the blind." I think that's what he meant. Uh, bad coaching is bad coaching, regardless of the record. Unless you want to revisit Lane Kiffin, and finished ten and two, ranked number six in year two, but ten and two brought him another three years. Frankly, with consistent uh, talent and Bad coaching. This team could easily go 10-2 and 2 every year without ever qualifying for the championship football playoff. Then what? Would you still be satisfied? Because I can already see where this is headed. Trojan Q in Huntington Beach. Hey, Trojan Q. Okay, so I get kind of criticized. No, I'm not complaining about getting criticized. I put myself out there. You're, you know, I put opinions out there. You're going to be criticized. But it's funny that I'll get criticized for being... Uh, too negative? Like, uh, why do you always say that the coaching's bad and they need to do this better and blah, blah, blah. So they're like, you're too negative. They're 10-2. Everything's good. And then I also get criticized on the other side saying like, you know, if I say go to an 11-2 and win in the Pac-12, no matter how they looked all year, is a good thing. Because I, I think it is, you know. I do think there's been some poor coaching. I do think there's been re- some really bad decisions and, and stuff needs to get cleaned up. But I'm also going to say like, if they go eleven and two and they win the Pac twelve and and yeah heck win the Fiesta you know was it the ideal season no but it's still pretty darn good so charging Q um, I'm just trying to tell you like I see it I'm not trying to appease one side or the other but I'm going to get criticized by both for being uh, too too soft uh, or you know wearing rose colored glasses and being too nice or being too pessimistic um, so. Probably that's good. I'm kind of in the middle there, but I, what I'm going to be is honest, and I'm going to tell you what I think. Um, I think we would talk about the Chip Kelly crap because I'm going to call it crap because I don't want to talk about it too much. But I'm more of a fan of Chip Kelly. I think he's going to be successful in college. Like I thought he would be successful if he came back to USC, and I had USC fans. Some of them think, "Oh, that'd be great," and other ones are like, "No, we hate him. We don't want him." Um, but I was consistent. I thought he'd be good for USC. That's why I think he's going to be good for UCLA. Dan Weber doesn't really agree with me on that. I don't think uh, Coach Harvey Hyde, you listen to what that... Neither of those guys really agree with on that. So we're going to tell you what we think, and that's all I can do. Uh, Let's see. Another, this is Tyler. First, thanks for great work. You've all done this season. I read and listen to everything. A-plus. Some general end-of-the-season 30,000-foot observations. One, four- and five-star kids consistently under or erratically perform, thinking of DBs especially here. That's on the coaches. Two, if players exhibit a look-at-me-slash-showboating, undisciplined behavior and remain on the field, that's on the coaches. Three, if our third-quarter performance is consistently subpar, that's on the coaches. Four, if the only thing that will make us happy is playing for the national championship year every year, that's on us. Though I think being in the quote-unquote final four every two to three years is a very reasonable expectation for USC. Tyler and Samamish. Tyler, way too logical. So what are you doing? No, I, I, I think they're all great points. I agree with point one, two, and three being on the coaches. And I believe that, you know, if USC fans can't be happy, if they didn't get the head coach they wanted a couple years ago, and no matter what the team does, uh, you're not going to be happy with it, then I think that's on, on the fans. So I think those are all great points. All right, we got one more from Steve. Uh, let's see. He says, guys. Is the new Coliseum going to have a peristyle? And if not, what will you change your name to? Beat the, tree, beat the trees. Uh, hope to see you at the Fiesta Bowl, Steve, uh, up in Seattle. Yes, Steve, the, uh, the new Coliseum will still have the peristyle. The peristyle's not going away. Um, they're not allowed to change anything on the outdoor parts of the stadium, which is part of the reason, or I guess the major reason, why they're putting all those suites in the middle of the stadium because – uh, it would have been difficult to do it. I still think there's ways you could do it where you're not screwing with the outside of the stadium, or you could push back on that a little bit more. Um, I mean, it just it just depends on what you what you think. I've talked to a lot of people that I, that I know and love that that work there, and they're you know they're swearing up and down this was like the only option. I disagree with that. I mean, I've never seen this done before ever. Um, you know, I, I'm one that's like, hey, there's there's proven ways to do things that can work. Do one of those, not let's do something that nothing, that no one's ever done before and a lot of people hate, but we're just going to show it down their throats and do it anyway. Um, I just didn't think I had to go like this. But the parasol will stay the same. Unfortunately, those like temporary bleachers are going to stay out there, the sun deck or whatever they used to call it. Um, all that stuff is staying the same. So um, next year is going to be, if you haven't heard it, an absolute disaster. There's the museum construction going on. There's still the... Um, uh, soccer stadium uh, being built, or if it's built, then they'll have soccer stuff going on there, losing a lot of parking, I think over a 1,000 parking spaces, losing uh, 9,000 seats to a construction zone. So all those people that would be sitting where the, you know in that building have to be displaced. So everyone's going di- to get displaced next year, and then you're going to get displaced again the year after that. Um, I think a lot of people don't know where they're going to end up, and once they figure it out, it's going to cause even more outrage. Um, it's going to be bad. Like, it's it's not going to be – and it's a it's a horrible home football schedule. There's a Friday night game. Like, all this stuff, I think, is just terrible. So, it's going to be rough sledding um, next year as far as fan experience goes. And I've had so many people have really bad fan experiences already. What should USA do? I mean, bring back those radios again. Like, whatever you need to do, bring those back. Because people like to listen to the game live. Try to, you know, add Wi-Fi. Whatever you need to do. Make it a better fan experience because it's not going to be a fun one next year. You got to fix people getting into the Coliseum. It takes forever. Um, you can't tell people, "Hey, make sure you try to go in an hour early because that's what that's what's required." No, like that shouldn't be required. But okay, shoo. Well, that was a, a pretty good uh, rant. I got through all of your questions. So my that little splinter in my brain that knows there's like questions there that are unanswered. I got through all the other questions. So we categorized them. Harvey, Dan, other recruiting. Um, So I actually got through the recruiting ones too. So if you want more recruiting questions for next week, you can send those in. Um, More for me, for a solo podcast, or for Dan or for Harvey. Send those in, Podcast at USCfootball.com or call or text 424-254-9141. We've been getting a lot of texts, a lot of um, emails, tons of emails, lots of voicemails, so we do love it. We appreciate that. So I'm glad I got to knock those out. I feel better. You know, I can I can sleep soundly. you know what? I got all those questions that were – and there were some really good questions too and really good observations, and uh, we do appreciate you sending all of those in. Okay, well, I'm going to wrap it up, go get some lunch, head to USC football practice. Don't forget today the uh, college football rankings come out uh, for the playoff. Obviously, it doesn't really matter unless something weird happened and USC like jumped up a bunch of spots, which I don't really see happening and they get some chance to make the playoff but the way it stands now with Alabama losing they're a one-loss team that's not going to win their conference is just sitting there they might get in over like an Ohio State that wins their conference after beating like an undefeated Wisconsin USC just doesn't have quality wins on the schedule um you know basically your your best win will be Stanford twice if uh if you win the Pac-12 so there's just not it's just not going to be the great resume to make the playoff and you know we talked about this before but I think uh, this year it's probably better to just win the Pac-12 with most important thing to me, win the Pac-12 and everything else, like go to the Fiesta bowl and try to beat a good team. Maybe at Ohio state or some, someone good. It could be a really big name team. Go in there and beat them. Okay. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle podcast. Again, remember Wednesday noon, we will have our Facebook live show. Uh, we will also record a family feud podcast with Keeley and shotgun. So you can send your questions in for them as well, and we'll make sure uh, they get her. if you want to even leave a voicemail for them, I'll play that for them, and they can do it on their show. So thank you so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Glad you tuned in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.